I follow quite a few Pilates pages on social media. I listen to a bunch of Pilates podcasts. I've read books on Pilates. And uh, whenever business is discussed around the, you know, within the context of Pilates, we basically, you never hear mention of financials, specific financials. You never hear people mentioning, mentioning specific dollar or euro or pound or yen amounts. And I think we have a, we have some kind of cringe factor around talking about money. We feel it's, it's rude or that it's, it's, it's somehow dirty to talk about money. And, uh, I don't agree with that. I think, I think we should talk about money in Pilates and I'm going to lay out my reasons for you. So firstly, I mean, I hope, I hope you've noticed, you know, I imagine you've noticed this too, that, you know, we don't talk about money in Pilates. Now, I know that, you know, almost all of us are in Pilates, not primarily for the money. Like we'd, we'd, you, you know, you didn't, when you were considering whether to become a Pilates instructor, your other options probably weren't like merchant banker, you know, stock trader or, you know, whatever. So, you know, you weren't tossing up between like, what are the most lucrative things I could do regardless of whether I love them or not. You were thinking about what do I love doing and where would I like to make a difference in life? Okay. I understand that. And that's why I'm here as well. But I think we have a, I think we have a false kind of dichotomy that, you know, making a difference and being passionate about what we do means we shouldn't, you know, also want money, you know. And I know that we do have this problem because the number one pain point I hear from both studio owners and instructors is I'm working too hard and not making enough money. Now, not and making enough money, like these people aren't saying like, I, I didn't have enough money for my second yacht. They are, you know, I can't pay the studio rent unless I teach 35 sessions a week myself. Or, I, you know, like I can't, I can't pay my bills unless I take clients, you know, at all hours of the day. So this, you know, this is, this is, you know, these people are under financial stress. And yet we, I, I don't think, I don't think it's coincidence that we are, we avoid talking about money in Pilates and that we have a lot of pain about money in Pilates, you know, and maybe the pain is I can't find good, you know, manifests as I can't find good instructors. Well, if you could pay your instructors more, maybe you could find good instructors. Or I'm working all the hours and I, you know, I, I'm doing all, of, I'm chief cook and bottle washer at my studio. Well, if you could had more money, you could pay people to do those things. Or I, I don't, you know, I can't make Pilates my full-time gig because it's just a side hustle. It's like, well, if you got paid more, you could. So I think, you know, a lot of the pain points that we experience, maybe not as directly as like money stress, it's like I think they come down to money in Pilates. Now, not every problem comes down to money, but I think a lot of them do. 
a lot of the ones related to time, I think all of the ones related to time come down to money because money can buy time. You can buy back your time by paying other people to do the things that you're currently spending your time doing, like admin, cleaning, etc. So, you know, we have this kind of real reservation about talking about money. And, you know, dear listener, if you've listened to this podcast and heard, you know, when I've interviewed people about business topics, we always talk about money. I always ask my guests before they come on the show, hey, are you cool talking about the specifics of profit, et cetera, because that is a condition of coming on the show. Like, if you don't want to talk about that, that's cool, but, like, we can't have a conversation because that's what I want to talk about, amongst other things. And so all my guests talk about, you know, when we talk about studio businesses, whatever, they, they always talk about money. Uh, and I do that very deliberately because I want you, listener, to you know get a sense of what other people are making, what it's possible to do, what people are struggling with. And I think, you know, painting a rosy picture of like, oh, my studio is doing great, or I'm loving teaching, or whatever, without addressing the financial domain, I I feel is just is not telling the whole truth. So, you know, I've shared my business figures freely on this show and elsewhere. And, you know, both when we're doing really well and when we're not doing so well. And I think if if more people did that in the Pilates world and we normalise just having unemotional conversations about money, I think most of us would be a lot better off because I believe that money flows from those who don't address it to those who do address it. And by address it, I mean, you know, think about it, plan for it deliberately and intentionally you know, design their financial well-being. You know, just like exercise. People who don't, you know, health doesn't flow to those who don't address their health. So um, you know, I want to keep this one as a relatively short one. But I think, you know, like, I, I think we just, we just need to be more upfront about money in the Pilates world. And, you know, like, I've, I've had multiple employers say to me, oh, they, they think it's kind of bad form or, you know, rude even, if, or it's a red flag, I think is the word that's been used, that's the term, the term that's been used, when a potential employee asks about pay at, the, at an interview or before they've had an interview. And I think that, to me, that doesn't make sense because, I mean, I might want to work at your studio. I might think it's an amazing studio. I might love your philosophy. I might feel like I've got a lot to learn from you as a mentor and this will be great for my career. All of those things might be true. But if you're only offering $10 an hour, I simply can't afford to work for you. So that would be useful for me to know before I apply for the job and we, we both waste hours going through interviews and auditions and things. So I think it is an important thing for us both to understand before we go into even, you know, like if, 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 if your pay expectation as an employer and my pay expectation as an employee don't overlap at all, well, it's like, it's not going to be a deal, right? We can't come to an arrangement that we're both going, there's 
going to be beneficial to both of us. So I think we both need to disclose what our salary expectations are. And I think that should be a range. Okay, we don't have to say the exact number. But I need to know, like, okay, I'm going to be able to earn at least this much if I work for you. And you need to know if you're an employer. Employer, like, okay, I'm going to need to spend at least this much if I want this person to come work for me. Right, so I think it it should go in both directions. Salary expectations should be disclosed early on in the piece. Now, I I, I want to just move and shift gear here and talk about you know why I think it is a, a good idea just in general in in the Pilates world. So you know outside of the specific example of you know working and and, and employing instructors, but just about you know talk when we talk about Pilates businesses, or we're just talking you know amongst instructors. You know, we're not looking for a job. We're talking about how much we get paid. We're talking about how much our business made or lost. I think, you know, we have a, I believe, and this is where I've come to, maybe I'm wrong, dear listener, maybe this doesn't apply to you. Of course, it doesn't apply to everyone. But, you know, this is what I've observed. Uh, this is what I observed in myself when I first started out uh, in Pilates all through my 20s and 30s. Into my 40s, I didn't have money. I wasn't good with money. I didn't know how to make money. I was afraid of money. Um, you know, I resented people who had money. <laughs> uh, money was a mystery to me. Um, so it's only in the last decade that I've really learned how to make money. Uh, and I'm very glad I did. Um, so, you know, but I guess all this is to say that, you know, I've I've done all of these things and I've thought all of these things that, you know, we feel, I think, or a lot of us feel, or I felt, right, let me let me just talk, make I statements. I felt, you know, for many years as a Pilates instructor that, you know, because I'm, I, I, I'm here, you know, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing it because I want to help people, that somehow I shouldn't be, you know, interested in money. I shouldn't ask for a lot of money because I'm supposed to just do it for the love of the game, right? Like I'm supposed to be, quote, above <laughs> wanting financial rewards for what I do because that's kind of like, you know, gauche. So, you know, but I think that's a false dichotomy because, well, yeah, we are all here because we love this and we do want to help people. And why does that mean we shouldn't also get paid for it? It's like, you know, if you're, what do you, what's more important to you in a spouse, someone who loves you or someone who's kind? It's like, well, both. Both are important to me. <laughs> I wouldn't marry someone who doesn't have both of those attributes. So it's the same with, and, you know, it's I think it's the same with passion and making a difference and money, right? Like, why can't we get paid well and make a difference and do something we're passionate about? Why do those things have to be mutually exclusive? Finally, I just want to touch on uh, the idea of, you know, money and happiness. And I think, you know, maybe I, I I certainly had this, you know, maybe this this one applies to you as well. I don't know, dear listener, but this was something for me where I felt like, well, money doesn't buy happiness and I'd rather be happy than rich. Again, I created a false dichotomy, you know, and a false either or. It's like, well, why not be happy and rich? <laughs> okay, money doesn't make you happy, but it doesn't make you unhappy. <laughs> so why not be happy and rich? 
Uh, and in fact, I think money does make you happy. In fact, I know money does make you happy, both from personal experience and from reading research. Now, it's not the case that, you know, every dollar you have makes you happier. You know, and it, so it's plainly not the case that billionaires are, you know, a, you know, an order of magnitude more happy than millionaires, for example. Um, but there's there's pretty solid research showing that, and, and this has been my personal experience, when you go from not having enough money to having enough money, and when I say enough money, I mean like enough money so your credit card doesn't decline at the supermarket. And so you never worry when you're standing in the queue at the supermarket whether you'll have enough money. You never have to make a decision between paying your children's school fees or paying your medical insurance. Right? You can always afford to fill up your petrol tank in the car. Like just going from from those things being a stressor to not worrying about those things. You know, when your jeans are too old and they get rips in them, you just buy another pair. Right? Like just that sort of everyday level of, you know, financial self-sufficiency. When those stressors are absent in your life for the first time, a massive weight lifts off. And that was my experience. You know, all through my 20s and 30s, I was poor. I was a musician. Then I was a struggling business owner who didn't know anything about business. <laughs> I was still poor. And, you know, I've, I've had all of those stressors that I just mentioned. And, you know, when, when those are alleviated, it, they're just, it's just like when you've had a toothache and it goes away. You know, the, the relief is exquisite. So absolutely, money doesn't make you happy, but absence of money can make you unhappy. And even beyond having just, you know, basic financial self-sufficiency, having more money gives you more options. You can go for holidays. You can visit loved ones, you know, in distant lands. You can, you know, you, you can take extended vacations. Like there are, you have more options. You can live in a nicer environment. So I'm not advocating that we all, you know, give up on being passionate and give up on helping people and just seek the whole holy dollar. You know, that's that's not what we're made of, you and I. But, and I don't think that's the road to happiness because certainly money by itself without fulfillment and meaning and contribution doesn't buy happiness. But if we have fulfillment and meaning contribution and contribution, adding money <laughs> adds happiness. <laughs> so, dear listener, I guess I'm going to leave it there. I don't know what conclusions I've come to about why we have this sort of aversion to talking about money in Pilates. I think it's unhealthy. I think it's detrimental to all of us. I think we should talk about money openly. I think we should talk about it in job interviews. I think we should advertise it when we advertise positions. I think we should plainly talk about it anytime we talk about our businesses. We should straightforwardly be, you know, willing to discuss, you know, profit and loss and revenue and, and things like that. Uh, and just normalize it. Just normalize it. And, you know, that way we can all learn from a more open discussion, we can, be, can all become better at understanding money and therefore better at attracting money. All right, listener, thank you very much for uh, 
your consideration. Your I really value having you uh, in this relationship, and uh, I love the comments that you uh, questions and things that uh, you send to me. And uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this these little reflections. So you can DM me on Instagram uh, at the underscore Raphael Bender. And uh, I'll look forward to the next one. Much love. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.